Welcome to the Fix Your Sciatica podcast, where we meet with experts and clients and discuss how to manage your sciatica and low back pain without the use of medications or surgery. I'm your host, Dr. Ashley Mack, and I'm a physical therapist as well as the founder of iFixYourSciatica.com, a go-to resource for pain management. We can all agree that sciatica pain is unpleasant and no one should ever live with it. Medical imaging actually plays a huge role in the diagnosis and treatment of pain, especially MRIs. However, there's been a lot of misinformation about MRIs, its use, effectiveness, and its role in managing sciatica pain. One of the most common routes to treating this condition is to go to a doctor, get prescribed pain medications, physical therapy, or chiropractic care, and medical imaging. And the two most common medical images for sciatica pain are MRIs and CT scans. While these medical images are effective in spotting red flags such as fractures, cancers, and tumors, they are not actually the best way to identify the cause of pain nor provide any relief. There are a ton of misconceptions about medical imaging, and today I'm actually going to share with you and dispel the top two myths about an MRI's role in sciatica pain management. For starters, let's actually understand what an MRI is. The term means magnetic resonance imaging. This technique uses a magnetic field and radio waves to generate a detailed image of the body segment by segment. It can show bones, connective tissue, organs, and also the inner structures of the spine. Now, this is different than an x-ray that actually uses radiation to create an image of bone. It's also different from a CT scan, which is a more detailed x-ray reading. Now, MRIs are often prescribed to evaluate sciatica because there is a little bit more detail. It provides less radiation. And it can also show how discs and other structures in the spine interact with each other rather than just the bone itself. Your doctor is actually going to determine the best scan type for you. One of the most common myths about MRIs is that you need this image if you're experiencing sciatica pain. Unfortunately, this is actually pretty far from the truth. Now, let's just look at the logistics first and then break it down into a little bit more detail on how it works. So the first step to getting an MRI scan is to actually experience sciatic pain. The next step is actually seeing a general practitioner. As with most insurance companies, you actually need to see a GP before even seeing a specialist like a sports doctor, spine doc, or even an orthopedist, or even a surgeon. So as a result, you end up having to see one or two practitioners or more, even before being considered for an MRI. And in the meantime, you're actually going to be prescribed pain medications that range from oral steroids, anti-inflammatory medications, nerve pain blockers, muscle relaxers, and maybe even some anti-anxiety medication. Now, these pharmaceuticals will actually take the edge off the pain. I understand that. Um, So you can actually somewhat function, but that is actually not going to cure you of your pain. And it's often a temporary fix. Once you are actually prescribed an MRI, the next thing is that you actually have to be approved by your insurance company 
for an MRI who actually have their own criteria that would actually qualify these scans to be paid for, being that an MRI actually costs upwards to about $700 a scan. In addition to that, once you get the scan, which usually takes 30 minutes to an hour, and you're cooped up in this machine, which can be very claustrophobic, and especially if you don't like tight spaces, it's really uncomfortable, it can take upwards at least to between 24 to 40 hours or even more to get that report even sent to your doctor to be interpreted. Now, if this image, this medical imaging was so necessary for your recovery, then why is it so hard, so expensive, and why does it take so long to get such an image? And the reality is that more often than not, MRIs are not as useful as you think. They, don't, they, they do spot red flags, such as fractures, cancers, and other sinister events, but they are not the best at dictating the plan of care. MRIs would be easier to schedule and process if they proved to be a successful way of diagnosing the cause of pain and directing treatment, but the reality is that it doesn't. And as a result, it is challenging to have this medical image processed, and therefore, you might not always need it. So here's a few situations in which an MRI is recommended. One is when the first couple episodes of physical therapy, chiropractic care, or other conservative treatment method, which does not include medications or surgery, do not help you with your pain. But we have to be clear that an episode of care is not the same as just one singular visit. Episodes of care can range from one to two weeks. And we also have to differentiate between not responding to care, aka being a non-responder, and actually working with an incompetent practitioner. Now, there are millions of therapists, chiropractors, and other professionals who promote their skills with treating sciatica pain. It's not the technique that actually really matters, but how those techniques and strategies are applied to you, the patient, or the client. Consensus has shown that a patient-focused treatment plan, rather than a diagnosis treatment plan, is more effective in treating sciatica pain. Now, what's the difference between a diagnosis treatment plan versus a patient-centered treatment plan? Well, the diagnosis-based plan is focused on primarily treating as you know it, the diagnosis. And there's a huge limitation to this because with a diagnosis like sciatica, it is really just the label of the problem that is happening. It doesn't cause the, it doesn't identify the cause of pain. And oftentimes the exercises, stretches and techniques that may work for someone who has a sciatica diagnosis may, may not help or in fact worsen the pain for another human with a similar diagnosis, different costs. On the other hand, patient-centered treatment takes the diagnosis into account, but bases the treatment on how you, the client, the patient are responding. When it comes to pain relief, you see, the treatment should be focused on relieving the pain. It really makes a little to no sense to try to push through pain if it doesn't result in pain relief or feeling better as a result. And the second part of being non-responsive is trying to identify the difference between a lack of progress known as being a non-responder and an incompetent practitioner. Now, when working with a professional like a doctor, physical therapist, or chiropractor, they should be gathering data as they are speaking with you. Each stretch, 
exercise manipulation should be driven by how you respond. A simple way to figure out if your professional is doing the right thing for you is listening and hearing the professional asking you if you're better, worse, or the same as a result of said technique. In fact, if you find that even on your first visit that your practitioner asks you more questions, then that's actually a true side of a knowledgeable and effective practitioner. You should never have to feel like you're sharing a lot of unnecessary information for your practitioner, even if it's in relation to your pain, because every detail counts. Now, if your professional doesn't ask you how you're feeling as a result of a specific technique and continues to just give you exercise, their exercise, their exercise, and does the same thing and you notice there isn't any sort of progress. And even though you brought them, brought that up to them, they made no change. Then it's time for you to find another professional. That's an indicator that these professionals are focused on treating the diagnosis and not you, which is going to extend treatment time. The typical healing windows are around six to 12 weeks without any specific intervention. So keep that in mind. If your treatment plan lasts more than 12 weeks without relief. Well, let's get back to MRIs. As I said before, they are really great for diagnosing cancers, fractures, and some other sinister events. If you're not responding to treatment from conservative measures while working with a competent practitioner, then in fact, medical follow-up is needed. The great news is that you do not have to wait 12 weeks of non-responsive treatment to achieve this. Do you recall seeing those medical history questions on your intake form of every doctor you see? The question, if you have any of the following symptoms since the onset of your pain in and then the colon and indicating that an MRI or medical follow-up is needed. So it's going to be stuff as saddle anesthesia, which is going to be numbness in your pelvic floor. Changes in your bowel or your bladder function? Are you retaining urine? Are you constipated? Or are you having accidents left and right since the onset of your pain? Numbness or complete loss of function in your extremities? Fever, nausea, headache, dizziness, or any sort of unexplained weight loss or gain? Those categories, those questions will actually indicate that a medical follow up needs to be addressed. Again, the MRI will rule out any sort of sinister event to prevent them from being overlooked and treating you medically. Now, if you did go through the medical intake form and are seeing a medical practitioner, if any of the information provided to them doesn't make sense, a competent professional will say something along the lines of, your symptoms are not consistent with any orthopedic condition and you should be assessed by a physician to rule out anything else contributing to your sciatica pain. MRIs are used as a way to screen for anything outside of the typical spinal orthopedic issues that can cause sciatica pain. However, when overused, it is a strain on the medical system and can slow down your recovery. The second myth of MRIs is that they are effective in leading the plan of care, meaning that they will show us the cause of pain and will help manage it better. And this is usually in reference that MRIs are actually pretty good at spotting herniated, bulging, and degenerating discs. They're also good at showing off spinal arthritis as well. This is very much true. But the thing is, is that these changes, herniated discs, arthritis, are actually a normal process of aging. 
and the presence of these quote-unquote abnormalities increase as we age. A recent systematic review, which is the highest level of research, actually revealed that the prevalence of asymptomatic, aka no pain, dish degeneration is as high as 30% in 20-year-olds and increases to 96% of 80-year-olds. Asymptomatic disc bulges can be found in 30% of 20-year-olds and as high as 84% in 80-year-olds. The reference to that study is actually found in the description of today's episode. When it comes to diagnosing arthritis, about 33% of asymptomatic patients presented with some sort of facet arthritis. And the source of that article is actually found in the description of today's episode as well. Another point to keep in mind is that the findings of the MRI will actually differ by practitioner to practitioner. There seems to be some sort of variation in how each profession views it, and that can be often confusing. And so if the science says that there is a fair amount of asymptomatic wear and tear of the body, then why is it that clinicians are so fixated on treating specifically arthritis and disc-related issues? Why are clinicians saying that the disc bulge or arthritis are in fact the cause of pain if it's a normal part of the aging process? What do they expect when pain medications prescribed? Now, a lot of questions arise. And another question that you should think about or a fact is the fact that if you have a herniated disc or arthritis in your spine and you go through rehab, working with a physical therapist, chiropractor, you're even another pain management specialist and your pain goes down, the likelihood is that your discs are still going to be herniated and you're still going to have arthritis. So the question is, if we don't have any pain, why are we so fixated on this? So here's the answer. You can experience pain relief and still have a herniated disc and arthritis in your spine because they're just like wrinkles. It's a normal process of aging. And the reality of the entire medical system and our world being fixated on these things that we see via MRI is annoying because it puts the cause of pain to be outside of the control of the patient, you. However, here's the great news. As I've stated in previous episodes and how I communicate with my clients is that pain relief is individual and should be focused on the human rather than the diagnosis or quote unquote injured tissue. This actually results in faster pain relief. So now that I spent the past couple of minutes describing how MRIs are useful, but not as useful as you think, we have to answer the big question is how do you get out of pain? What is the best way to treat sciatica? And that's why you are listening to today's episode. Either you or someone you care about is experiencing this pain and is looking for answers. MRIs are awesome at spotting red flags, but not the greatest when it comes to treating your sciatica. It can actually cause more harm than good because of the fact that it implants these little things in our head called thought viruses into your brain, which is a term coined by David Butler, a world-renowned professional in the chronic pain industry. These thought viruses cause us to fixate on things that have little to no effect of our recovery. As a result, we as therapists, movement practitioners, and chronic pain specialists have to spend time overcoming this narrative that the readings in an MRI are causing our pain. So for you listeners, it is important for you to get a grasp on how you are feeling and properly communicate that with your providers. So here's a few action steps for you to follow after today's episode so that you can in fact feel a little bit better. 
The first one is that you have, don't let MRIs scare you. They're there to roll out any red flags, but that's about it. Two, the best care is focused on your recovery, not the treatment of a specific diagnosis like sciatica. Number three, sciatica is just a description of your pain. Four, pursue the activities that provide you the most amount of pain relief and joy. Number five, avoid or modify the activities that cause the greatest increase in pain. And last but not least, you are not alone in this journey. There are practitioners like myself who exist to help you. So if you need help finding a provider near you or want to work with someone virtually like me, then let's talk and book a call, Dr. Ashley Mack, by going to our website, ifixyoursciatica.com. If I can't help you, I'm pretty sure that I can find someone who can. And I'm also very proud to say that I have developed a solution to help you out with your sciatica pain all via text message. Forget having to wait for a doctor, schedule an appointment, and take time out of your day. The sciatica protocol is a tech solution to help you manage your sciatica pain without the use of medications or surgery. And if you're interested in hearing more about this program, email me at info at ifixyoursciatica.com with the subject heading sciatica protocol. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you got some help from today's podcast. And for more info, check us out at ifixyoursciatica.com. Have a fantastic and pain-free day. No patient-therapist relationship is formed by listening to this podcast. We are not providing medical advice, and all information should be confirmed by a medical provider.